the last verse of the gospel. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. That's the point of the parable. It uh, offers and emphasizes a sense of urgency in our spiritual lives, in our journey with the Lord, and the setting and directions of our hearts. Therefore, keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour. My beloved niece, Catherine, 34 years old, we just solemnized her marriage in August. Diagnosed two weeks ago with stage four cancer. A tumor on her spine, on her liver, in her lymph glands. Keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Your brother in Christ, those of you all who knew him, my brother in Christ, fellow ordained pastor of the Baptist Church, member of St. Paul's Somerville, Brian Connor, 12 days ago diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, deceased, departed this life on Friday as John prayed earlier to be with the Lord. Keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour brothers and sisters. And let's be clear that this keeping watch is not a passive action. You know how people who are really keeping watch keep watch. There is a vigilance. There is an energy. There is a expectancy. There is a anticipation and preparation. It's a kind of call to action. And Jesus is saying for the disciple of his, we are to be those who keep watch. Keep watch over ourselves, our souls and bodies, uh, the spiritual well-being of our lives, our relationship with others. Keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Minutes with Brian Connor, so weakened by cancer. Only minutes to say, Brian, I love you. And for Brian to say to me and to Foster Smith, who had gone together, for Brian to say, I love you. For me to thank him for his great teaching ability and what he did for St. Paul's. For Foster to thank him for a particular pastoral moment in which Brian had intervened and assisted Foster in his own life. We are called, brothers and sisters, to be sitting on ready, which means to have our souls in good spiritual condition, to be in good spiritual shape, because we do not know the day or the hour. I've told you this story before. I had an African-American brother. I say African-American because he he was kind of a preaching kind of guy anyway, but he was a football player at Sewanee. He came up freshman year. You know, freshmen are kind of cowed usually by big, mean coaches and even by upperclassmen. And so our coaches had this thing about, are you sitting on ready? Are you sitting on ready? Are you sitting on ready? And when they said that, and you could be drinking water during the break and you're supposed to break down in a tackle position, you know, like this, you know. Are you sitting on ready? Are you sitting on ready? And uh, I cannot remember this fellow's name any longer. But, uh, I mean, this is pretty bold for a freshman. But he called out that fellow's name. He had a name tag. Those freshmen had the name tags on the helmets. And they were, you know, they were just these strangers, you know. And, uh, and, and Coach May said, so-and-so, are you sitting on ready? He said, Coach, I was born ready. And it just, it brought, it, the coach about fell out of his own, I mean, he just, we all just, 
couldn't believe a freshman would say that back to the coach. But uh, he said, all right, if you're born ready, you're ready. All right. You know, you get all that kind of stuff. You know how it goes. Sitting on ready. I hope you hear the urgency here because truly today is the first day of the rest of your life. I love these um, prayers that come out of the heart of an impassioned apostle or disciple of the Lord. They come out of the tradition and history of the church. I want to share just a few of them with you because they speak to this idea of the, the, the spiritual conditioning and uh, shaping of our hearts. There, there's one I don't even know the author. It was in a bulletin of St. James Church, New York City, and it went like this. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push us into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. Bold urgency, keeping watch. Or the prayer of Phillips Brooks, a founding member of Virginia Theological Seminary, but Phillips Brooks best known for his time as rector of Trinity Church Boston for decades and one of the greatest preachers uh, in the Anglican tradition. And um, Phillips uh, had this prayer that he gave to the life of the church to us. Oh, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men, stronger women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers, but for powers equal to your task. Then the doing of your work shall be no miracle, but you will be the miracle. Every day you shall wonder at yourself and the richness of life which has come to you by the grace of God. Keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Or the prayer of St. Ignatius Loyola a warrior who laid down his arms to become a warrior for Christ. This prayer my father uh, embraced and brought into the football locker room of Rock Hill High School as he served there as chaplain for at least a decade. And he taught it to the boys, so this became the, the going out prayer in another day, obviously, but a going out prayer from the locker room onto the football field. Teach us, good Lord, to serve thee as thou deservest, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to labor, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for any reward, save that of knowing that we do thy will. Again, these are authors of these prayers who get it. They understand what it means to keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour. They understand the vital, essential necessity for getting ourselves turned towards the light and seeking the light, the light of love, the light of the Holy Spirit, the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the cross. We heard this summer from Mike Hill that the kingdom of God grows one life at a time. That's slow growth. But it's your growth. The kingdom of God grows one life at a time. My life. Your life. He's done it one person at a time. Personally, particularly, individually, even the very hairs of your head are numbered. We also heard this summer, second line I borrowed from Mike Hill. If we're going to have more of God, he needs to have more of us first 
if we're going to have more of God, he needs to have more of us watch keepers first. You do not know the day or the hour, but today is the first day of the rest of your life. Is it today that you're going to commit to a weekly rhythm of corporate worship in the body of Christ? Is it today when you are going to finally decide to take Alpha when it's next offered? Is it today when you're going to start giving regularly and generously to the church? Is it today when you're going to join a small group to grow more in Christ? Is it today that you are going to tackle the elephant in your personal living room with God's help? I mean, your troubled marriage or your relationship with a son or daughter that is alienated or your weight, or your drinking, or your drugging, or your ambition, or your mean-spiritedness, or whatever it is that the Lord has declared to you as an elephant in the living room that has not yet been addressed, because you do not know the day or the hour. So in my own departure from the midst of this extraordinary, and I mean that, extraordinary body of believers, this family of Christ named St. Paul's or St. Paul's Somerville or St. Paul's Church, whatever way we identify ourselves. What we basically and fundamentally know is we are followers of Jesus. And we believe he is alive and well, that he offered himself on the hardwood of the cross for ourselves and our salvation, and that he has left a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, even the Holy Spirit. And so let me leave this community with two themes and first of all declare these two as some of the most difficult um, but essential of the products products of the Christian faith some of the most difficult to sell in other words two of the most difficult aspects of the Christian faith to get buy-in to get ownership of by God's people and one of those is the third person of the Trinity that we have spent time working on here to discover him, to enjoy him, to be mostly amazed by his power to heal and cleanse and transform and use the least of us to do noble and great things in his name. It is so much like uh, the story in the book of Acts in the 19th chapter when Paul makes his way to Ephesus. I love the way Eugene Peterson tells the story as he writes his own translation of the book of Acts. It goes like this. Um, Paul, uh, Paul made his way through the mountains, came to Ephesus, happened on some disciples there. These are disciples. These are those who know Jesus now, some disciples. And the first thing, first thing he said was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, obviously, something's missing. It's like a church community of the 21st century where they are followers and they're in church and they're doing ministry, but somehow there's something missing. There's some kind of energy or some kind of beauty or some kind of passion for the gospel. Something is missing, and Paul saw it right away. Did you receive? So the first thing he said was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Should be a, a given. Did you take God into your mind only, or did you also embrace him with your heart? Did he get inside you? This is Eugene Peterson. I love how he translates this. They replied, we've never even heard of that. A Holy Spirit? God within us? Well, how were you baptized then? Asked Paul. Well, we were baptized into John's baptism. 
That explains it, said Paul. John preached a baptism of radical life change repentance so that people would be ready to receive the one coming after him who turned out to be Jesus. If you've been baptized into John's baptism, you're ready now for the real thing for Jesus. This is Peterson, still at it. And they were, they were sitting on ready. They'd been keeping watch. They did not know the day or the hour, so they wanted to be ready. They were, and as soon as they heard of it, they were baptized in the name of the Master Jesus. This thing, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus and Jesus himself, they're all intertwined like a DNA kind of helix. Paul put his hands on their heads. The Holy Spirit entered them. How do you explain that? Except that it happens and happened. And from that moment on, they were praising God in tongues. I was praising God in tongues this morning before I arrived here in the dark in my office at home and talking about God's actions, His signs and wonders. He is a marvel indeed. And then the story concludes, altogether there were about 12 people there that day. It's not a Billy Graham crusade. The kingdom of God grows one person at a time. That day it grew individually by 12 at a time. My prayer for this community, my prayer for her next rector, my prayer for the whole of you all, is that the Holy Spirit will fall ever more richly and distinctly upon you. And may I even say, beginning today, before we leave today, that somehow, somewhere, some hands, some signs and wonders, that the Holy Spirit is going to fall and empower us and impel, impel us into the future as the watchkeepers, because we do not know the day or the hour when Christ may come or when we may go. And I pray for a continual openness and trust in his guidance. That's the first elephant in the living room, difficult to tackle. The second one, generous giving of dollars. The neglect and abuse of this vital priority in Christendom is rampant. Ellen and I leave St. Paul's, but first, for this past week and for this Sunday, we've written large checks to the operating account. We want to leave with our accounts with St. Paul's settled and settled well. Another will come before year's end, after we're long gone, as we tie up our loose ends for this year. St. Paul's needs her people to be a generous people with her financial resources. And we wish, Ellen and I wish to leave on a high note in that regard too. We, the leaders, need to lead by our example even as we go out the door, and we will. This is, by the way, not grudge giving that we have to do this. We don't have to do anything at all like this. It's not even duty giving that, well, we ought to do that since we've been here and ought to do this well. No, it's thanksgiving. It's a thank offering, giving thanks for you, 
our friends, our more than friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and for our life together for 19 years. But may I also simply say this, I urge you to imitate our example, both for now and for always, because today is the first day of the rest of our lives, and we are to keep watch, for we do not know the day or the hour. That reading from 1 Thessalonians is packed, but it would take us in the wrong direction. But I do want to refer instead to other parts of 1 Thessalonians, the same letter, to end this sermon today. Because Paul will also write to the church there, as he writes to, to the church here, in the Eugene Peterson inimitable way of translating the New Testament, Eugene Peterson, the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, Get along among yourselves, each of you doing your part. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a moving on. Gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs. And be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. I don't know if these words even make it to the screen. They don't need to. Um, but uh, then Paul says, be joyful always. Pray continually. This is a keeping watch kind of encouragement, see. Give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say for all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. And do not put out the Spirit's fire. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. So in conclusion, it's so easy for me to say this. And it's so easy for Ellen and me to say this. I love the St. Paul's family. We do. I have loved my work here. I have. I am so proud and I love what we have accomplished, thanks be to God. Then I think of Paul's words in 2 Timothy. The time has come for my departure, he writes. There are those times. There's a time for everything, isn't there? A time to say hello and a time to say goodbye. The time has come for my departure. I hope I have fought the good fight. And I feel like I have finished the race of 32 years of parish ministry of this style of being a parish rector. And I hope I have kept the faith as well as others have. Paul concludes in 1 Thessalonians, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, Keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it. And that letter concludes, the amazing grace of Jesus Christ be with you. The amazing grace of Jesus Christ be with you. And may your story and my story be like the story of others, 
that we became watchkeepers, maybe today for the first time, or maybe encouraged in our watchkeeping that urgent expectancy. We do not know the day or the hour, so let today be the first day of the rest of my life. Gerpa Hanna, the recovered alcoholic, horrible addict, marvelous disciple of Christ, who shared, as you've heard me share with you, I just want to give her proper credit, she said it came from a long dead slave, this prayer, oh Lord, I ain't what I want to be, oh Lord, I ain't what I ought to be, oh Lord, I ain't what I'm going to be, but thanks Lord, I ain't what I used to be. Amen? Amen.